Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC sports. Let's go. Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast. It is officially talking season, which is one of the best times of the year, Eric McLean. And before we get to our very, very special guest today, we want to talk about the preseason all ACC teams because Mac basically predicted all of them verbatim. <laughs> I am very impressed, Mac. Come on, KG. It's fun to uh, to know a little something, something about college football. But I will tell you what is interesting about, you know, basically only missing one on the entire list here. No big I, deal. I only missed uh, a, a tackle position, which it was the lowest offensive tackle anyway. So it was a very split decision. The interesting thing was when I posted this yesterday, everybody's coming at my throat saying, no way, this is crazy. What are you thinking? And lo and behold, it's 99% correct. And by correct, I mean with everyone else's opinion. So that's what this is. And it's just exciting. I I think the biggest thing when you look at this list, Kelly, is that there are, let me see, one, two, three. There are four players, five players in the 50 mark voting. For reference, Brian Brzee, uh, Clemson defensive tackle, was unanimous, 120 votes. So you just heard me say there's five under 50. That shows to, that goes to show you there is so much talent in this mm-hmm. league. There's so many people that split votes, that decision. Man, this guy's so good, he deserves it. And uh, that's why you see these numbers. That should be encouraging. People should see these numbers and be very excited. Like most years, you see pretty much everyone's above 80. And it's kind of, okay, these are the, the 24, 25 people, however many is on this list. And then it kind of drops off. That is not the case this year. There is 30, 40 solid players that are deserving of a first-team All-ACC spot. It's going to be so fun to go see them play on the field, go and prove it, uh, and then others kind of make their mark for uh, who needs to step up and really be on this team at the end of the season. And, of course, Sam Howell, ACC preseason player of the year, quarterback from North Carolina, ran away with that. I don't think that surprised any of us, Mac. I found the wide receiver position – to be the or one of the deepest to vote for. Now, it wasn't too difficult to pick Justin Ross, Zay Flowers, and Jaquari Roberson, which is who I had, but the guys beneath them, you know, not putting any of those UNC guys on there who we think are all going to have huge years, not putting Jordan Addison from Pitt, it was difficult to not put some of these guys, someone like um, an Emeka Mezzi at NC State, who's probably going to have a huge year. I think the wide receiver position is very deep. It really is. And I'll tell you what's kind of difficult about voting for these teams is there's only three wide receivers. Right. There's there's three running backs. Whoever in an offense uses three running backs at one given time. So it makes it a little bit difficult. I think we need to make this a little bit more modern. Maybe two running backs at most, probably only one. And then same thing on the defensive side of the ball, only three linebackers. Think of how many people uh, and only two four db so when you look at that the game has changed it's not this traditional lineup the same way everybody does it the same so i I would love to see more of a hybrid mix in here maybe an edge position uh for the defense maybe it just a db instead of a corner or a safety in addition to that you could put a linebacker there you could put a safety you could put a nickel so I, i think there's an interesting way that we should be moving 
to kind mm-hmm. of get this thing that would just give you the flexibility. Okay, if there's another safety that's better than the the third linebacker, maybe he gets right. that spot. So it's interestingly enough, uh, another interesting thing, you bring up those wide receivers, all three of those guys are in the Atlantic division. The Atlantic is stacked this year. So I did kind of my top five receivers. I had Jordan Addison at number four, Mecca Amezi at five, and then at six, guess who? Another uh, uh, Atlantic division wide receiver in Joseph Ngata. So it's packed. The the Atlantic is going to be a lot of fun to see just the skill set at that position and who's going to rise to the top. Here's another thing that surprised me, Mac. I know we have to get to our special guest, but De'Ara King, more player of the year votes than DJ Uyunglele. I thought DJ would be second. Yeah, I voted and, for Sam Howell, but the fact that he's fourth, he actually had less votes than Brian Brzee. Right, his own teammate. Well, tell me what you're thinking when you're voting for this uh, award here, Kelly. Are, are you awarding a player with everything that they have done up until that moment? Or are you projecting who you think is going to be the player of the year at the end of the year? So I think this is an important thing. You've got to find a way to combine and take what they've done, but also project. And the thing, I look, I thought Sam Howell was the vote. I voted Sam Howell. And maybe that's part of it. There were a lot of people like me who would have voted DJ, um, one, if not for Sam Howell. And so you put Sam Howell. My thing with, with Derek King is there are so many questions. Look, he was great last year, but he wasn't. He was never really even in the discussion for player of the year last year. Can Miami finish 10 and two, can, can they finish high enough to where you're actually going to be getting player of the year consideration? And also how healthy are you? I just feel like there are so many questions with King and I get that DJ had a small sample size, but DJ put up performances in those two games that he played. Uh, I don't think King had a performance like that. Did King have a single 400 yard passing game last year? I'd have to check, but I'm not sure that he did. No, I, I don't think so either. So I, I agree with you. I think it's an interesting thing to look at. I think it does come down to Sam Howe, De'Ara King, and, and DJ Uyunglele. I think those are going to be – one of those three will be player of the year. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who rises to the top and, and really who can kind of take that, uh, take that title at the end of the year. I love the intrigue. I think a lot of years um, in the past we've had, you know, Trevor's your preseason player of the year or Travis Etienne, and there isn't really a debate. But that's right. why this year is really fun. And you a little bit of a lists. battle. That's right. A little mm-hmm. bit of a battle. We we do not know. And, and maybe it's even a defensive guy. I, I'm not sure off the top of my head who the last eh. defensive player was. Yeah, who, I looked this up, Mac. That? It was, oh gosh, it was so long ago. I think it was like 2000s. Wow. Early 2000s. Oh, O's. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been wow. a while. That's, that's how it should be. Offense is, yeah, uh, offense matter. offense offense is all that matters. Kelly, should we introduce our guests for Let's this Let's do week? it. Guys, we are wrapping up our summer guest list. This has been so much fun. You know, we, we had these, uh, a dream board, if you will, and, and we had all these names and who we want to come on here. I have to say, uh, we, we did. We were pretty successful in, in getting people to come on who we wanted. Shout uh, out, Mac. No, come on. It was a group effort. But, <laughs> you know, to wrap it up with, with Mac Brown and uh, breaking news, Dabo Sweeney, just two of the, the best in this, uh, in this business. Uh, two of the most successful in this business. And, you know, personally, my favorite college football head coach, Dabo Sweeney of the Clemson Tigers. <laughs> Let's introduce the head coach, shall we? Dabo Sweeney spent his playing days at the University of Alabama, where he lettered for three years, was a member of the 1992 National Championship team. After playing, Coach Sweeney went straight into coaching. He was a GA for the Tide 
from 1993 to 1995, where he then became the wide receivers coach and was there from 96 to 2000. Coach took a quick break from the college football world, and then somehow, Kelly, he found himself at little old Clemson, where he has been since 2003. Coach Sweeney's run at Clemson has been nothing short of legendary, leading the Tigers to college football royalty and becoming a dominant force year in and year out. Since taking over as head coach for the Tigers, Sweeney has won two national titles, six BCS slash New Year's Six Bowls, and seven ACC championships. Mac was a part of a couple of those ACC titles. That's right, KG, and a couple of the BCS New Year's Six Bowls, Yes, too. I don't want to short you. That's right, and, and a national championship loss. Sorry, Coach, to put that tarnish on your record. But, hey, guys, listen, the wins, the stats, the draft picks, all that is great, but molding young men into great citizens, husbands, fathers, that's really what Coach measures the success of his career with. You guys are going to love this episode. It was so much fun. Let's get to it. Coach Dabo Sweeney joining the show today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Good to be with you. That's Ready right. Roll, man. Come on. Hey, there's so much we want to get into. It's talking season, but I want to start off the field first because I think that's honestly what makes Clemson just so different in my experience and being around this program for quite some time. You are a huge proponent of the word believe. You, you have a paperweight on your desk. You bring it in every single meeting. If you still do that, you did it when I was playing. Tell us why that is such a big thing for you to just instill to your players, your staff, and, and just personally. Well, I mean, yeah, I still bring those. Are you kidding me? Uh, both those signs. Uh, you know, you, the one says believe, and the other one says, you know, it, it can't be done with the T crossed out. And for me, that, that's where it started, my very first uh, team meeting in 2009 when we, you know, started off. And, and you know, when you get a job, you, you – you, as an interim, you're just trying to, you know, finish out the season and, and do the best you can with what you got. And, and but then I got the job, and so now you know you put your, get your staff situated. And you you know like okay, who are we? Why do we exist? Why do we do this? What's our program going to be about? What are our core values? What's the vision? How are we going to get there? Uh, you know what do we believe in? All those type of things and and. Um, you know, again, for me, I, I, I had a I was fortunate because I had five and a half years as an assistant and I had six games as a as a uh, interim. And uh, and I had, so I had a front row seat for quite a while at Clemson and my very first you know staff meeting. I walked in and I and I said, hey, this is what we're about. As long as I'm the head coach, this is going to be the purpose of the program. This is going to be, you know, blah, 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 blah. And kind of articulated the vision. And then, uh, but then that first team meeting, you know, I walk in and, and I had those two signs and, and I still do that to this day. We got a team meeting this afternoon and I'll walk in with those two signs of every team meeting I've ever had. And I don't really have to say much about it anymore, but, but in the beginning, that was my number one task was creating an attitude, an attitude change. You know, I needed to create an attitude of belief, you know, uh, that we can do something that maybe somebody says we can't do or something that hadn't been done forever or never been done. Cause if, you know, to go back in, in 2009, I have a very clear memory of that. There are a lot of people today, they can't process where we were in 09 as a program. Uh, but I can, and I, and I, I had a football team that hoped to win. I don't think we expected to win. 
You know, I don't, I don't think we had a, and I don't think we had it as a fan base either. You know, we didn't, we, we didn't have an attitude of belief, uh, a, a can do attitude. And, and that was my number one objective was to create that belief to, to teach. We got to learn to think the right way. You know, uh, you know, we, we positive people just think differently than other people. It's not that they don't have issues or problems or challenges. They just choose to think differently. You know, the, there's a saying we say all the time around here. Greatness is not your destiny. It's your decision. You know, you have to make a decision on how you're going to think, what you're going to say, how you're going to feel, what you're going to do. You know, those are your decisions. There's a lot of things we don't have a decision on. But, you know, creating an attitude of belief and being an inside out program. And I literally I wrote down all the things that people said we couldn't do, all the things that had never been done or won't be done or whatever. And I'm like, we can live outside in or we can we can we can just go to work and, and here's what we can do and become an inside out program. And if we will focus on this right here, then eventually we will blossom on the outside. And uh, and that's and that's what's played out over the last 12 years. But um, as we start over every year, it always goes back to those basic things, those basic foundational principles of this program. This program was built on belief. Uh, this program was built on a can-do attitude. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that people said we couldn't do. And, and then when we do them, you know, they, they, they make excuses for, well, they only because, only because of this. And, uh, and in the meantime, we just keep on keeping on. And, and uh, so it's a – I just think that, you know, teaching young people the power of, of – thinking uh, the right way, having a, having a positive attitude, no matter what is, is a foundational principle to have joy in life. You know, I mean, there's so much that we don't control. And, and I think positive thinking is the foundation for positive results. There's just not many things, sitting, you know, people sitting around saying, yeah, can't do this, can't do that. They usually don't do a whole lot. You know, it's those people who, who choose to believe even when it doesn't make sense, choose to believe and, and, and have hope in the future, even when maybe your present circumstances don't add up. Coach, it's very fitting you bring up 2009. I was just able to speak with uh, Coach Grisham and Coach Spiller. Got to adjust to that, especially with CJ. But those guys have been with you since the beginning here at Clemson. And now they're coaches. What do they bring to this program? Well, uh, perspective, you know, perspective. Uh, and that's what I love. I love, uh, you know, Tony, Tony Elliott, my coordinator, he, he brings perspective. You know, he sat in a meeting with me every single day. I coached him. I trained him. Uh, he, he, he has perspective. Uh, they love Clemson. You know, they're, they're loyal. Uh, they, they, they love this university. They love this program. They're a part of the bricks and mortar of this program. Talk about belief. CJ Spill was one of the first people to believe in me, you know, when I was an assistant. And uh, and then, you know, he came back to Clemson. He wanted me to be the head coach. He wanted to, you know, play for me for a year as the as the, the true head coach, you know, and he's seen it from every aspect. Uh, and then he's gone off and had his career and all those things, but he always stayed connected to this program. And I think that's what makes our program special. This is a very connected place. And, you know, he was a uh, – he was a, a leader and a committed guy while he was here. And all those things that made him great as a player, the same things are 
what's making him great as a coach. It's really special to watch him every day. And then Grisham, same thing. I mean, I, I started coaching Tyler Grisham when he was in the second grade. You know, he, he came to my camp at Alabama. I was a receiver coach, and he's a second grader in camp. Then he came back, came back, came back. Well, and, then, and then I show up at Clemson, you know, years later, and, and uh, he's a 10th grader, and he comes to the Clemson camp. And, you know, we were his only offer. So, you know, he's a grinder. He, he's a kid goes and plays four years in the NFL. I mean, um, perspective, you know, I think they have a deep appreciation for who we are as a program. You know, a lot of people nowadays know and see the glory, but they don't know the story uh, of, of our program. And those guys not only know the story, they've lived it. And I think that that's a special perspective to have on our staff. I love that, Coach. And, and Same thing with Miguel. Same thing with D-Mac. Yeah. Same thing with Rashard Hall. You know, I mean, I can go on and on. I the mean, list keeps going. Out, out. You know, uh, hopefully – uh, we're going to have an opportunity with Taj Boyd here, you know, down the road. So there's a, I love the perspective and I love being able to, to help these guys, uh, you know, have more opportunity as they, as they continue their careers. I don't think there's any doubt about love for your players, how much your players mean to you. So I'd like to clear something up if it's okay with you, because with all this NIL stuff officially happens, so many people decided to bring up, okay, we're going to bring up this quote from Dabo back in 2014. And he said, as far as pay, paying players and professionalizing athletics, that's where you lose me. And I have two problems with this. Number one, you were talking about pay for play, players becoming employees, if you will, not marketing, not, not nothing with a scholarship. And number two, you have fought tooth and nail for your players as much as without getting fired. Uh, for extra scholarship money, stipend money. So I'm confused where this negative narrative about, well, Dabo doesn't want to pay the players has come from. It's really bizarre to me. Well, when you're winning, uh, people like to talk about you, uh, whatever reason, and, and that, that, anything that'll get a headline. And unfortunately, uh, Matt, you know, you learn a lot as you kind of go through life and, and, and especially as you, you know, get in, uh, different situations and you're in that now because you have a voice and, and, and people hear you say some things and um, but people hear what they want to hear and and it's unfortunate uh, you know there's there's I mean everybody everybody can be a media person now you know everybody can be a I mean everybody's got this instant microphone to sound off whatever they want whatever whatever will get a click for them but people hear what they want to hear uh, and then sadly, some people write whatever they want to write, you know, whatever, whatever fits a lot of most, a lot of people already have the story written, you know, they just need a couple of snippets to complete their story for their agenda to get the, the, the headline that they need to get. Uh, so, uh, I never, that, that, it's just laughable is really what it is, but it, you know, it just comes with the territory. Uh, but again, people hear what they want to hear. They write what they want to write, uh, regardless of, you know, any of that stuff. But that it's just, it's so far from what I said and what I said, uh, I still say to this day, you know, I, 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 I don't want any part of uh, doing away with the collegiate model and professionalizing college athletics and uh, doing away with the scholarship. And, you know, now we got to, you know, I mean, cause we could easily do that. 
I mean, we spend $141,000 on every single scholarship player that's out of state, and it's 110 on the in-state. That's, that's not make-believe money. That's real money. Like, that's, that's all in. And if you're a Pell Grant kid, you get $32,000 in cash. If you're a non-Pell Grant, you get twenty six grand in cash. And they're not taxed on that. And we have, man, we have fought and we have pushed to, get, uh, to make it better. You know, remember back when we couldn't feed guys and all that? Man, these guys eat like kings. We feed them all day. They got – you can give – you can feed them snacks all day. Snacks. You can feed them three meals, you you know, tied to, you know, uh, participation and workouts and meeting. There's food galore. Uh, And that used to not be the case. I mean, and I think that's part of the problem, you know, with today is there's a lot of, I think, uninformed people that that, – they formulate opinions based on the wrong information. They don't really understand. Um, and they, are they, are they put their own personal experiences uh, in play? And it's just different. It's so different when I was playing, it's different than it was 10 years ago. It's, it's night and day. I mean, these, these coaches are these, that those these former players on this staff, their perspective, uh, they're blown away by what, what these guys get. So I'm all for making it better, man. I love the fact that a guy can go make some money if he wants to. I've worked all through college. I mean, I've always thought it was stupid that our guys couldn't go work. Like, how dumb is that? It's their time. They want to go work, go work. I don't – I could – great, good for them. Um, you know, I, I worked all through college. I, if I, I was always cutting grass, cleaning gutters, and umpiring. I umpired till I was 26 years old, till the day I got hired full-time at Alabama. I was an umpire. I had my own little my little gutter service, and 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 I and I cut grass all the time. But I, I had to. That's how I made money, and that was out of necessity, um, you know. But it was on my time. It's not like I went to Coach Stallings and said, "Hey, Coach, uh, you know, I got to go clean these gutters. Today. I'm about to miss this practice or this meeting, you know." Uh, but but our guys, you know, have they couldn't go work. And if they did go work, oh, you'd only earn a certain amount of money and all that. I think all that stuff's stupid. I've always thought that's stupid. That has nothing to do with uh, the collegiate model. You know, now, now, if I had been the one writing the rules, I would have done it differently. Personally, I would, I would have done it differently. I would have, I would have tied it to, 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 to the scholarship. I would have, I would have uh, incentivized graduation and postseason and all those type of things because I would have, I would, I would have liked, you know, like the scholarship, everybody gets the same thing. And I would have liked to have had that because all they've done is, I mean, some guys will make a little money. Most of these guys aren't going to make any money. Uh, you know, we might make a few hundred bucks here or there, but you know, there'll be a couple 1.7% go to, go to the NFL. And uh, you know, uh, the 1.7% going to be the ones making the money. That's right. I would have liked to have seen the 98%. You know, and I would still like that. I still think that that the scholarship should be should be more modernized. I think there's things that we could do. You know, whether it be incentivized bowl games. I mean, like our players, we go to the playoff, they get twenty five hundred dollars cash. You you win that game, you get another twenty five hundred dollars cash. You know, but if you go to the Citrus Bowl, you don't get jack. I think I think the postseason should be in. I think that could be a part of a scholarship. I I would like to see when a guy. Well, I think we should incentivize graduation. So. If 98% of these kids are not going to go to the NFL, and they're not, and here's the other thing, the 1.7% who do go, half of them aren't going to get a second contract. Only 0.08 of them go to a second contract. And then those who make it, they, 
they only play like three years or so. And so why would we not do everything we can as a society, as an organization to, to incentivize graduation and education? That's what I believe in. That's the collegiate model to me. And, and, you know, I, I, I just, I worry a little bit about how they did it because I think, because here's the other thing, everybody thinks they're going to the NFL, you know, and I want old Mac who's playing left guard. I want you to get, I, I would have liked to have seen you get that same money. I mean, you're taking on that 300 pounder so that quarterback can throw that pass and keep his Jersey all clean. That's right. Come on. Right? That they want to buy that Jersey, but man, nobody won't buy Max Jersey. You know, well, and, he was Mr. Clemson here, coach. I that's mean. right. I would have had a couple sales, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I, I would, I would have liked to have seen it done differently. So everybody, and everybody has the opportunity, but, but not everybody's going to have, not everybody's going to make any money. And uh, I would have liked to have seen it tied. And, and again, even with what they've done, I think that's good uh, because it just frees some common sense stuff up. If a kid wants to go back to, I want to go back to Pelham, Alabama and have a, uh, uh, Dabo football camp. Uh, why can't I? I mean, you know, and support my hometown and and so forth. I I think those are there's so many good things with that, and that's positive. And all now, there's some there can be some shady stuff too. There's there's, there's going to be. I think the intentions are good, but there will be some unintended consequences that will come from it. There's no doubt about that. There's going to be some shady things that that'll we'll figure it out as we go for a few years here, but. You know, I still would like to see more happen within the scholarship model. But as far as professionalizing it, salaries, you know, all that stuff, scholarship goes away. You know, that's 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 to me, that's not what college athletics is about. So uh, and that's just an opinion. Other people will, will, will think differently. But, you know, I think that uh, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. But the, the key thing for us is, as you know, you know, our culture here. Man, we've been doing Paul Journey for 12 years around here. You know, we got all these people. I'm just kind of everybody scrambling around trying to come up with these programs and all this stuff. Man, we've been we've been equipping our guys with these tools for 12 years. Uh, this is just another tool, you know, because all we can do is to educate and, and navigate and make sure we're equipping them with the tools. So now you've got the one thing that we've not had to deal with is is tax implications and making sure that they understand, you know, and just be a, a, a resource. We're actually going to build a space uh, over outside the weight room. Uh, we're going to start on that next year. We're going to build a, a living, breathing space, just like we did Fall Journey, and you know, just to make sure that we we're supporting our guys. So we're we're incredibly well equipped, um, you know, and our guys will will be awesome. Very cool, Coach. I like I like to hear uh, different coaches' perspectives on NIL. Let's talk about the guys that Mac was protecting, the quarterbacks, and specifically DJ Uyunglele. Nice I, job. Th- thank you. Th- I've been working on it. Well, you know, Boston College Week, every media person was thrown into the fire. Like you better know. You it better was know hilarious, his name. by the way. Yeah. It was so funny. Um, but okay, compare. I, he's going to inevitably be compared compared to Trevor and Deshaun and all these guys. In your opinion, Coach, what makes DJU unique and different? He's 6'5", 250. <laughs> uh, you know, that's about as unique and different as you're going to get right there. You know, he's got, he's got attributes of Deshaun, attributes of Taj, attributes of, of uh, Trevor. He really does. I mean, he's, he's got all those things that you kind of love about all those guys. He, he really has all that stuff kind of uh, – you know, uh, I, I've joked. It looks like somebody went to a lab and birthed, 
you know, took Deshaun and Trevor and birthed DJ, you know, uh, you know, you know, Deshaun wasn't six, six and, you know, and, and, you know, Trevor, like Trevor. And um, uh, they're just, they're just, he's just a special player. I mean, again, but what makes him unique is uh, he's got all those same attributes. He loves to prepare. He's incredibly smart. He knows the game. Uh, he, he, he's a great leader. He's unbelievably focused and committed to being a great quarterback. Uh, he wants to win. You know, he's competitive. Uh, he's got elite arm talent, uh, great anticipation. I mean, he, he's – you don't just luck up and do what this kid did as a true freshman last year uh, on, the, on the – you know, with the bright lights, you know. And so he's just so well prepared. He's built for this, uh, just like those guys were, you know. Started early in high school, big-time – High school program, bright lights, you know, big moments. He, he's just—he's just so built for that. He's—he's—he's he's, he's numb to the to the noise, if you will, uh, because he's so busy being great. But what makes him unique is—is is just his his arm talent. I mean, he's the only guy I've been around that makes Trevor look normal. You know, throwing the ball. I mean, this is this is elite. I mean, uh, I thought he was going to kill somebody when he first got here. I mean, it's like somebody's getting hurt because uh, the ball is just. It's just there, you know, you can't even – I mean, you just can't even – you can't have any false steps as a DB at your break point, you know, and recover on this guy. You know, he's just got that type of, of arm ability, but he's 6'5", 250. In fact, I, I'm trying to get him to 249, and I'm going to change his name from Big Cinco to Little Cinco. I told him if he'll go to 249, <laughs> I'm going to call him Little Cinco. Little uh, Cinco. So, so that's uh, – <laughs> That's what makes him different, you know. I mean, it just—he's a—he's a grown man. It's a grown man right here. This I guy can go that. play DN. That's I mean, right. He's—he's <laughs> he's, he's a grown man. Coach, why not a little two-way player? You know, yeah, those are things of the past. I, I promise you, he can do it. He That's can play right. tight end. He can play DN. This guy is—he uh, is a special, special guy. Come on. Well, a couple other special guys. Last one for you, Coach. I know you've got a very busy day. We could talk to you uh, for hours and hours. But this D-line, I I think, has the ability to be the best in the country. You're loaded on the first team, second team, third team, with just four and five stars everywhere you look. And and also guys that love to work. I mean, it's been really fun just, again, being a former player, seeing a little bit more inside the program of the progression of these kids and and growing into young men very quickly. Am I – crazy insane or do these guys remind you of you know kind of that 2017 version of the power rangers yeah uh i i'd say i'd say more like 2018 um that's three first rounders for everybody listening just i I just think that on paper you know i mean on paper i think we're we're in a really good place there uh we've kind of taken some that was a pretty good group that walked out of here in 18 and we've taken some We've taken some lumps the last couple of years. We've been we've been a little young, um, and and some of our best talent's been young. And we got some we got some scars and some shrapnel and some wounds and and uh, you know to with this group. And man, we got these guys got some thick skin now. You know they're all shaven. Uh, like I said, they've all kind of you know been through the grinder. But we've got seven guys that have started in the D line. Seven. You know, so we actually have, you know, I think more guys. Um, I mean, to me, it's a little bit more like that 2014 D-line that I had. 
when we had Vic and Shaq and Dodd and Corey Crawford and Forrest Martin. We just had all these guys at defensive end, and they could all play, you know. And uh, and and Dan Brooks, he had DJ Reader and Grady and Carlos, and you know he had, he had Deshaun Williams, and you never knew who was going. I promise you, I never knew, and I quit worrying about it. I just quit worrying about it because I watched them practice. And it was this unbelievable competition. The only guy that separated was Grady. I mean, Grady just separated. And then the rest of those guys, I mean, you're talking about DJ Reader, Carlos Watkins, Deshaun Williams. Those guys are still playing in the NFL right now. I mean, they were Josh Watson. I mean, the guys were unbelievable. And, I mean, Dan Brooks would grade them all the way through the Tiger Wall. I mean, he would, he would, those guys wouldn't know who was running out there first. And, and until until it was the first play, and he'd say, all right, you go first this way. I like your tie better. You know, whatever it was. And you know what? Here was what made that group special. They didn't care. They didn't care. I mean, we were rotating Shaq Lawson and Vic Beasley. Vic was starting. Shaq was right. Guess what? They didn't care. And 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 that was – and then on the other side, you know, Dodd and Tavares and Corey. I mean, we we had some dudes, man. And, and and all those guys, all those guys went to the NFL. All of them had chances to play at the next level. And this team is is similar to the 18 group, similar to the 14 group on paper. Five guys that have started at DM for us. Xavier Thomas, Justin, KJ, Maskell, uh, Murphy. They've all started. All right, and then you know we got two guys inside, Tyler Davis and Brzee. They remind you a lot of Christian and Dexter on paper, and we got some dynamic young guys in there behind them that that I think are you know a guy like Rook is close, uh, and so so it's and then we got it's so it's a really good group. Will they be selfless? Will they be committed? Will they be focused? Will they have the freaking grit and toughness of those groups? We're going to find out. We'll stay tuned on that. Uh, TBD. Come on. <laughs> but, but, but what's on paper? It's a good-looking group, man. I, I, I like what we got, and they've had a great summer. Um, you know, and, and I, think, I think that's the type of competition we're going to have, and I think it's, it's a situation where, you know, everybody's going to want to know who's running out there, and I can't really tell you. And we just listed them all as or because I don't know. I have no idea. They can all play. They can all win. But and if they will if they will take on the personality of that eighteen and fourteen group, they could be pretty special up front. And you uh, got to get lucky. You got to stay healthy. And that's all right. Them. Well, coach, I don't think there's any doubt. There's a ton of excitement in Tiger Town. A lot of expectations. Uh, we're super grateful for your time. I know you got a busy day, so thank you for joining us. Uh, y'all are my favorite people to hang out with. I love <laughs> hanging out with y'all. Come on, <laughs> coach. Anytime. Uh, all right, See y'all. Thanks again to Coach Sweeney for taking the time to join us. It was We recorded this actually last week, a little um, behind the scenes, and he was slammed last week. So we really appreciate him taking the time. I feel like when you have Eric McLean asking for that request, you get a, you get bumped to the top, which no, is you know, no. nice. Again, Kelly's giving me all this credit. Guys, I'm not <laughs> sure if you heard it, but Dabo said at the end of the interview, I love talking to both of y'all. It's a two-way street, KG. Come on. And what was pretty cool, though, that was his first media appearance 
since the football, since spring ball. So I feel kind of honored that you and I got to be kind of the first dibs there. But it was great talking with Coach about a lot of different things. And clearly a lot has happened since then with conference realignment and, and playoff implications and what does all that look like. So it would have been fun to, to talk with him about that. But, you know, we got a little bit uh, of that from him from ACC Network and ACC Media Day. So it was great talking with the coach. Anytime we're with him, he's dropping knowledge bombs all over the place. Exactly. And I loved what he said about DJ Uyunglele and how he's similar to some of the great quarterbacks that Clemson's had, but he's different. And one of the main differences is something you can't teach. He's a behemoth of a human. He's huge. <laughs> um, and, and Coach Sweeney really put that in perspective. No question. And really, the, the thing that made me jump out of the, my chair, Kelly, was when he listed off all those guys and said DJ has better arm talent than all. Yeah, that was crazy. That's after arguably one of the best quarterbacks ever and arguably, not arguably, the number one draft pick in the NFL and Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson guys. So uh, good luck, everybody else, I guess. I mean, that's kind of what uh, he dropped on the table there for us. But he received less votes than Derek King for player of the year. Hey, so wake him we'll up. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> hey, I voted for Sam House, so I guess, you know, I can't really say much. All right, Mac, it's time for this or that. We are wrapping up summer somewhat. It's still going to be hot forever. Um, but football season is here. With football being here, student-athletes across this great conference are about to enter fall camp. Ah! That was my <laughs> terrible attempt at screams in the background. Maybe, Rich, maybe you can have somebody just shrieking. Oh, that would actually be really good. Ah! Anyway, carry on. So, Mac, <laughs> when I say fall camp, what comes to mind? I'm shivering. I'm getting goosebumps. I, it's the worst ever. And uh, I don't like it. I don't want to ever do it again. Uh, you basically put yourself in a quote unquote hole and just play football, meet, and you know, whatever. It's not so fun. It's and just, it's hot. Um, and it's very, it's very so hot. hot. So it's what, three weeks of, it's almost like a boot camp, if you will. It's a boot camp. In some it, ways. That's exactly what it is. And, and you know, it's not really that bad. It's football at the end of the day. But right. mentally, but it's it hard. is a lot. It is a lot. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, that being said, let's ask this question, Mac, this, this or that. If you could go back and redo your fall camp days, would you prefer this? Your team travels to another site for fall camp. You stay in a hotel, kind of what a lot of those, a lot of the NFL teams do. Or that, stay at home, sleep in your own bed, normal practice areas, but maybe you're not able to lock in as much. Which do you prefer? <laughs> Well, I tell you what is interesting. So I did the that version in college and we didn't do anything differently. You know, everybody was at their dorm or their house if you rented one and you you know, you practice on your practice field. A lot of other teams, not a lot, some other teams, they'll go to another location, another place. So it is just football, that team, this location, no distractions, and you really you're locked in for those 3 weeks. I've seen some people travel out of state, across the country, like all kinds of stuff. And uh, I tell you what, Kelly, I would take the that. I would take what I did because the biggest thing that I learned, uh, you know, being there five years, going through five camps, which is terrifying, um, is that if you can make that period of time as normal as you can where, okay, you go to practice and then maybe you come back home and, and you know, play some volleyball, go to the pool, have a normal life. If you can kind of separate those two in terms of when I'm at the office, I'm a football player. When I'm not, I'm a regular person. Mm -hmm. It kind of mentally really helps you. I could not imagine 
going somewhere, being in a weird hotel at a weird location and having nothing else to do. I think that would be miserable. I would not want to experience it. So I'm very happy uh, that we did what we did while I was at camp. You need an outlet. You do. And, and so I probably just sold you on one answer. But if you were given this opportunity, what uh, what would you do? <laughs> oh, gosh. I think I'd have to say that. I mean, I yeah, like we our preseason was <laughs> three months. Right. <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, we had a little more wasn't as intense because you're not trying to cram it all into three weeks. But you need that outlet. You need to be able to come home and and just hang out, see some friends, do whatever and and unwind. And I think that's part of Mac, you know, we're 10 years removed. Wow. Social media. We are so terrifying. old. <laughs> it's terrifying. This but is a social scary media, segment. What are we doing right Yeah, now? I know. Is it October? No. Social media was, was a thing when 10 years ago, but like Instagram wasn't even really a thing. It was just becoming a thing. I think that's an issue we're seeing mental health wise is that a lot of these athletes just don't have, they can't flip that off switch and just be done and forget about it and do something else. And that's something that I really hope we get better at because I feel like I was able to do that 10 years ago. You were able to do that, right? but we still have to empower these student athletes to be able to do that for their mental health. Right. And we're going to take a little, little sidebar here talking about this. I think it's something that really it's, it's a society type of problem because we have our phones. We're looking at this stuff. I, I see someone else working out. I see someone else getting better. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I need to go get this. And that video could have been recorded a month ago and they're not doing that right now. So I think it's this, it's this almost feeling of, I have to keep up. I have to keep Mm -hmm. up. I have to keep up. Just run your race, people. Just run your race, Mm. worry about yourself and you'll be just fine. I think we get so caught up in all the things we see in all aspects of life, not just student athletes, even you and I, as, as, you know, uh, TV analysts and, and football and basketball analysts, we'll see somebody uh, at, at a practice or at something else like, man, I've, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Just run right. your race. You'll be just fine. All right. We're getting back on the highway of the this or no, that. No, I love it, Mac. you got to <laughs> preach. That's right. All right, Kelly. So again, summer's wrapping up. You were just at the beach. You were having a great time. So I've got to ask you, if you could kind of design a day where you were unplugged, you were having fun, mental health is a great deal. Would you rather do a lake day or a beach day? And I want you to think of all the pluses and minuses, all the good and bad of both, and give me a really thorough decision here. This is easy for me. I am such a beach person. So disappointing to hear that. I am such a beach person. Now, here's the thing. When I'm unplugging and relaxing and going to the lake or the beach, I don't want to do a lot of stuff. And I feel like whenever I go to the lake, I'm always getting pressured. Oh, Kelly, get on the tube you know, do all this. Do you know that my body is a walking, ticking time bomb? Like if I'm on the tube, I'm probably going to tear an ACL. I'm just going to find a way. I'm just going to find a way. So when I go to the beach, no one's pressuring me. I can just sit in the chair with my toes in the sand under a cabana so I don't get super burned and I can have my beverage and I can have my book and that's all I want. And maybe I'll play some cornhole or some title ball or whatever, but I just want to chill. So it's beach day. As easy as that question is for you, it is also easy for me uh, because I want to be on the lake any given time. I I want the water sports. I want the fresh water. I want, uh, you know, probably volleyball not too far away, a nice picnic. And guess what I don't want? A picnic. 
I don't want sand in all of my stuff. I oh, it's not that it. big of a it's deal. It's terrible. And there's things in the ocean that are much larger than I, <laughs> that I cannot see them. Uh, and, and so anytime, Mark Packer says this all the time, anytime your toe enters the great oceans of our world, you are instantly the visiting team. <laughs> and I don't like being the visiting team. You know, I, at the lake, what's the, you know, maybe a water moccasin. That's pretty real. That's pretty bad. Uh, but you see them, you know, you, you can see them and you know where they're coming from. So give me a lake 10 out of 10 times. I know I'm moving to Charleston. It makes no sense, uh, <laughs> but I'm a big lake guy. So, all right, that was fun. Now it's time. Th- this one's about to get real guys. And again, oh, Kelly no. has no clue what's coming here for our last this or that for the foreseeable future, at least. Um, there's a lot changing in this world, Kelly Graham, like with college sports and NCAA, are they taking a step back? Are they dissolving into something else? And there's also the question of conferences and, and breaking news, Texas and Oklahoma jumping ship, going to the SEC. Uh, it sounds like for all sports right now, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, does that even change later? But are you in favor of this or that of one big super conference where, uh, you know, we we have like 64 teams in one and it turns into very NFL type thing. Or would you rather stay with this power five, maybe power four if the Big 12 dissolves? Oh, man, I am not in favor of a super conference. And there's two main reasons for me. Number one, obviously, I'm always thinking about the other sports. And if you have a super conference, I don't know what on earth happens to basketball, softball, volleyball, all these other sports, especially women's sports. I feel like they would be in danger, and that worries me. But number two for me, Mac, is the best part, the best part, and there are so many great parts about college football. I love college football. Obviously, we both do. The best part about college football is the regional aspect of college football, the regional rivalries. You are playing against someone, and you know the ACC has gotten away from this a little bit, and I think it's hurt it at times. But you're, if you're playing for, if you're a Clemson fan and you're playing South Carolina every year, you work with South Carolina fans. You perhaps live with them. You may have a divided marriage. You may have, you know, whatever it is, and so it matters so much when you're playing. And you know, when, if we get these super conferences, if Oklahoma State goes and joins the Pac-12, are there is there a single marriage between an Oklahoma State fan and a Cal fan like in the entire world? I don't think so, Mac. So that's what I'm worried about. It's the best parts of the sport. And I know a lot of this is about money and I'm not living under a rock. Money is number one. I get it. But someone has to be looking out for the good of the sport, the good of the sport, the good of the student athletes and the good of the fans. And I feel like no one's looking out for that right now. And they're only looking out for money. And that worries me. I tell you what, Kelly, I am in the middle. I mm-hmm. always want college football to continue to grow. I always want college football to continue to be the leader in the space of athletics that it is and viewership and, and being on the cutting edge and doing all these things. But if that is becoming one big super conference for just football, I'm cool with that. And I think that they'll find ways to distribute the money accordingly. I think it'll be mm-hmm. maybe a, a school thing where uh, you know, at this school, we're going to share that football money at, at X school. We're not, it's football. So we're going to do it that way, which I think will hurt everyone else uh, athletically at that school. So I, I think that there's, it's going to be very intriguing. I think it's going to be very interesting. Uh, the one, the one reason, and maybe this is my orange and purple, just screaming through right now that I would love a super conference is because I do not want to hear about 
Oh, your schedule is so easy. Yeah. Conference you play. I want to all play together. And let's find I get out. That. I get that. Hey, Mississippi State, let's find out how easy our schedule is when you play us every year. I'm cool with that. I'm totally fine and would love to see it on the schedule. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I think the space is going in a totally different direction. I think that with what the SEC did and the fact that they got Oklahoma and Texas, I think change is on the horizon. And does that mean mm -hmm. the ACC and SEC combine in some fashion? Does that mean that a couple of conferences combine in some fashion? I'm not, I'm not sure. But I do think change is coming. I think the NCAA is about to take five, six steps backwards in regards to college football, college basketball, maybe still hang around for the other sports. But Change is coming, and if you're not ready, you're going to get left behind. So you better be thinking forward. You better be thinking ahead, all these commissioners and all of these leagues. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see who who is going to lead us kind of into this next wave. It's going to be fascinating. And if, you, you bring up a good point, Mac. Like, should football subsidize everything else? I don't know if – I mean, that's what happens right now. I very much understand if that isn't the answer, but we've got to find something else for – women's sports, because Title IX still exists. So you've got to find a way to work around that. But if football becomes its own entity, I could definitely see positives to that. I'm not, at, I'm not just completely against that. Um, but you've got to find a way to preserve the regional rivalries because that's what gets the fans going. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, if you have this big super conferences, if it's 64 teams, 60 teams, whatever it is, I think you have divisions within this conference, and I think right. you kind of circle and say, okay. Basically conferences within yeah, the conference. exactly. It's just going to be the Atlantic Coast. It's not going to be the Atlantic Coast Conference. And so mm. I think when you see that, it's it's all going to work out. It'll all be the same thing. And at the end of the day, can't wait to see it. And it's going to be a great product. So, Matt, we just, sol we just solved all the problems. Greg Sankey, uh, Jim Phillips, NCAA, <laughs> probably not as in, in, involved anymore. But, yeah, call us up. As with most world problems. <laughs> right. We'll handle it in a classic segment of this or that. That's right. Exactly. And it'll be over with. Well, guys, this was a fun episode. Really great way to kind of end our summer guest list uh, with two great head coaches who Kelly and I both think will be playing right there in Charlotte at the end of the season. Uh, do yourself a favor. Go check out our producer's podcast, Rich Take on Sports. He just celebrated his 150th episode uh, with Sarah Spain. It's a great episode. You guys will really enjoy it. Rich does a great job there as he does with us. But that's it for us today. Uh, we appreciate you guys always listening for another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, write us a review. It's always great to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.